Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining in. This is The Polo Show. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and turn on the notifications so that way you know when our latest episodes drop. You might notice today I've got a much better microphone, and I've been working on that for a while now, and I'm really glad I got to get that step out of the way. Only problem is my desk is just so big that the desk mount is not enough ledge for me, so... I'm going to have to hold the microphone up to my face uh, this whole episode, so we got that going for us. But we got some good stuff on the agenda today, so it was a really wild week in NFL free agency. Not even free agency, just the week before free agency. We had a lot of trades go down, a lot of speculation of where certain players are going to end up. And we'll talk a little bit about you know some of the moves that were made this past week in terms of Russell Wilson and some other quarterback movement. We'll also talk about what that all means for Jimmy Garoppolo's market and where he will end up. I'll give you my prediction of where he'll end up now. I originally said the Steelers. I am changing it based on things that have transpired. And also I'll talk about who the 49ers should go after in free agency. I think there's a few names that people are throwing out there, but I think there's just one that just makes way too much sense. And I don't care what it's going to cost at this point. I, I see teams figure it out and I've seen things that they can do to create cap space. And it is doable, even though it's very risky, it's doable nonetheless. And I wouldn't want to play on scared money. And then we'll get a little bit of Warriors stuff in today because there are some really good things that I saw from the Warriors this past week. But let's dive right into it. I don't want to waste any more time. So this past week, we had a few things happen. The first thing, the first domino that fell was Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. And that was something I honestly, I did not expect that. I I really did think that this was going to be the year that he gets himself out. Now, the interesting thing is, we don't know the actual contract. The contract that Ian Rappaport and others reported was a four-year, $200 million deal with like $153 million guaranteed. But Aaron Rodgers himself came out and tweeted, he is playing for the Packers, but those details are incorrect. And I'm really, in- I'm really interested to see what that is because they did franchise tag Devontae Adams. I haven't seen them make any cuts to guys like Zadarius Smith like I thought they were because of the cap hell that they were in. So clearly, they're going to be going for a title really, really hard with Aaron Rodgers and it's probably his last contract that he would have with the Packers, I could imagine. So that was the first domino to fall. And it's like immediately after that, people were like making fun of Denver, like, oh man, they missed out on a quarterback again. And then boom, what do you know? Russell Wilson gets traded from Seattle to the Denver Broncos. And I don't know if anyone really saw that one coming. Um, I know we heard whispers about you know, could Jimmy Garoppolo end up there? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers was one of those names as well. But I don't think any of us actually saw a possibility of, of Russell Wilson. I, I personally, in the first episode of this podcast, said I really don't think Russell Wilson's touchable. I felt that was kind of a pipe dream for anyone to get him. But clearly, he had to have wanted out. Um, and, and you see what Seattle's doing. I mean, they're going full rebuild. And then you also got Carson Wentz moving to Washington. We had Khalil Mack. This is one I didn't expect. Khalil Mack going to the Chargers. I mean, Khalil Mack, one of the Chargers, gives them one of the best pass-rushing duos, I think, in recent history. I mean, there's been some great pass rushes, but I mean, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, that's going to be really, really tough to stop. And the 49ers, too, they play the whole AFC West, by the way. And the AFC West just added one of their biggest kryptonites in Russell Wilson, and they didn't even have to give up Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton for, for that trade, which was just incredible to me. I don't know how Denver was able to pull that off. I mean, obviously they had to give up a lot to get him, but to keep your two receivers like that, 
that was just incredible. Um, Amari Cooper really recently, and then they've agreed to a trade to send him to Cleveland. And that is just really crazy to me because the problem in Dallas is really Ezekiel Elliott. He's taken a step back, and that contract that they gave him, listen, this is why you do not pay running backs. You draft one every few years. Ezekiel Elliott's making too much money, and because of that, they had to get rid of a number one receiver because of a guy who is actually not even the best running back on that roster. If you look at the production from this past season, Tony Pollard gave them more production in Dallas than Zeke. And because of Zeke's cap hits, they had to dump Amari Cooper for day three picks. They traded a first rounder to get Amari Cooper and then committed $100 million to him. And now he had to get a day three pick. That's a terrible return on investment. I don't know where Dallas is going from here. They're shopping Lael Collins, so we're just going to have to see. Um, And some other notable names that are being shopped around. um, Jarvis Landry's been given the permission to seek out a trade as well. Um, Kirk Cousins is another quarterback on the market that um, I I don't know how open Minnesota is to giving him up. I don't know what they'd give in return because they do have a pretty good offense. I mean, even around Kirk Cousins, you look at Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. I mean, that is a very good offense. I mean, you don't really have a weakness in terms of your skill players there. Um, I don't know what they would get in return for a guy like Kirk Cousins. So that, that to me is tough. But of course, the biggest name now available once again is Deshaun Watson. And he did not get any criminal charges. The market is heating up for him fast. He does have a no trade clause. So he is going to get saying where he goes, and I expect a decision fairly quickly. There have been some whispers that he will waive that no-trade clause for Carolina, and there's really conflicting reports on whether or not Philadelphia is in contention to get Deshaun Watson. I think that would make sense because they have some draft capital they could package. They can throw Jalen Hurts in the deal, but you know, there's reports saying they're not interested. I don't know if I really believe it. I've seen a lot of conflicting things. So to be honest, I don't want to come out here and say, oh, I think he's going to go here or there because everything is just saying something different. And I don't want to be that guy that just says like, oh, yeah, he's for sure going here. And then I'm just totally wrong. So I'm not going to believe it until we actually see the real trade that happens. But he will be gone. You have to assume quickly because you want to enter free agency knowing your cap situation with that cap hit that he has. And also it's easier to you know pitch to free agents and skill players when you have your quarterback situation figured out before you get into free agency because now these wide receivers you know maybe they'll be willing to take a little less to come play with an elite quarterback like that so we'll have to really monitor the Deshaun Watson situation Um, I know people expect the Seahawks to make a push but I don't really expect that um, because Seattle's just blowing up they're blowing it up Um, when you release Bobby Wagner on top of the Russell Wilson trade that that that's pretty telling because your defense was horrible People say Bobby Wagner took a step back. I agree with that. I don't agree with the notion that he's washed. People have been telling me, like, oh, he's washed. And, and that, that to me is extreme. You know, there's a difference between taking a step back and being washed. For instance, Draymond Green, as great as he was this year when he was playing, he's taken a step back when you look at who he was in, like, 2016. He's not washed. DeMarcus Cousins, he's washed. Sorry. Dwight Howard, He's washed. Isaiah Thomas is washed. Draymond Green, step back. So same thing with Bobby Wagner. He's not washed. He was fifth in the NFL in solo tackles. That's not washed. On a terrible defense. you got to imagine that you're just being stranded on a defense with literally no pass rush. That's going to be really tough 
for a linebacker in your 30s when you're the captain of that defense. I'm sure Bobby Wagner on another defense like the Cowboys, if they can replicate their success, or the 49ers, if they really went after him, you got to assume he's going to succeed when he has that support around him. And I don't think people are really taking that into consideration. But releasing him, if you're Seattle, just tells me you're going full on rebuild. This is not a retool situation because there is no potential upgrade for Bobby Wagner on what is already a terrible defense. And that Jamal Adams trade just really set them back really, really far. And I and I would say I feel bad for Seattle fans, but man, I don't. And you Niner fans know that you don't either because I remember my 13-year-old self just being so fucking heartbroken after that NFC title game in Seattle. And I remember the Legion of Boom and, and seeing it all crumble apart while the Niners look like they have their franchise quarterback it's a great feeling to be in, man. It's a great feeling to be in if you're a 49er fan right now. Really fan of anyone in the NFC West for that matter. Um, that was a team that just gave people trouble. I mean, they even beat Arizona in the end of the season. I mean, they put up a lot of points on the Cardinals. Russell Wilson's just been a problem in the NFC West. He's just been one of those guys where no matter what team is around him or how bad the offensive line is, he always puts his team in a position to win football games. It's, it's just... It's really nice to have that out of your division. Now, the 49ers still have to play him because they do play the entire AFC West, the Chiefs. Um, I mean, that that's just a loaded division. You look at the quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback, but he is by far the worst quarterback in that division. And I don't see Seattle, like I was saying, pursuing like obviously they'll pursue Watson and that's what we've heard and they now obviously have the capital and some players they could send over there and it would be a really nice haul but the problem is Deshaun Watson has a no trade clause and Deshaun Watson spent a lot of time in this Houston organization screwing him over by getting rid of players that could help him win football games I mean they traded away DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips to Arizona why would he waive a no-trade clause to go to a team that has just blown it up if the dude wants to win? And you're going to have to go through probably the one division in the NFC you wouldn't want to have to go through because of the Rams and the 49ers and even the Cardinals. I don't see that happening. Carolina is supposed to make an aggressive offer. That has been a consistent report. And if I had to give my best guess, I would say, based on things that have been coming out, sure, he would be a Panther. But I, like I said, I don't know where he's going um, in terms of Deshaun Watson, I, I've been in a lot of Twitter spaces trying to like speculate, like where could he go? And a lot of people think the Eagles because of the capital and the players they could give up. And that's totally true. My biggest nightmare scenario, if you're a 49er fan, is if something comes out of nowhere. And it's possible. And the reason it's possible is because like you look at the Odell situation, for instance, this past season, people were saying the Packers um, were an option. I think the Saints were there too. No one was really saying the Rams were a suitor, but bam, out of nowhere, a report comes out, and Odell Beckham is an L.A. Ram. My nightmare scenario, if you're a 49er fan, because you got to imagine he's coming to the AFC. I mean, sorry, the NFC, because he's coming from the AFC. Usually you trade those players out of conference so you don't have to deal with them. You have to imagine. If he were to go to the Cardinals, I, I mean, look at look at the the drama that's transpired around Kyler Murray and his... Um, you know, 
questions about his attitude and his leadership and the statement that his agent put out. Maybe they're sick and tired of him, and they package a trade together and call up Houston and say, hey, let's basically swap quarterbacks. You guys get Kyler Murray, who's a number one overall pick type talent. He is on his rookie contract still. You can build with this guy. We'll take Watson off your hands. If Deshaun Watson ended up on the Cardinals, that, that I don't know if that's realistic, and I don't think so, but if it did, that's trouble. I mean, they were first place at one point this year. Clearly, if you put Deshaun Watson on that team, they're, they're much better. I don't care what people say. I've had people try to tell me that Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray are almost the same quarterback. I really don't think so because if I watched Kyler Murray in that playoff game, he looked lost without, the, without DeAndre Hopkins out there. And you can say whatever you want about Kinsbury. I think it's both. Both are definitely to blame for that. But I, see, I saw Deshaun Watson clearly prove that he's a top-tier, elite-level quarterback. I've not seen that from Kyler Murray. I've seen flashes where he could be that, but it never sustains for the course of a whole season. You know, we're talking about this guy being an MVP candidate, but then you get to the end of the year or end of the season, and he's never really one of those top guys anymore. And he would be reunited with DeAndre Hopkins. And that, to me, would just be a nightmare scenario for the 49ers. But if he goes to Seattle, I wouldn't be that worried. But that would be a nightmare scenario for me. But the key to this is the no-trade clause. And that also ties into the Jimmy Garoppolo situation where he will end up. I don't think that any teams in contention for Deshaun Watson are really teams that were really looking at Garoppolo. For instance, the Colts. That's where I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going. They're not in contention for Deshaun Watson. He's in their division. They would not trade Deshaun Watson there. I also don't think they have anything good enough from a Texan standpoint to really get him. They would obviously look somewhere else. Um, and here's why I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up in, in, in Indy based on things that have transpired, okay? Based on things that have been said around Indianapolis, according to people that have you know, been around people in Indian at the combine that just happened. Carson Wentz has lacked leadership, and that's been a big criticism of his for a while. It's not necessarily his play. Obviously, Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of mobility. He's just a better athlete. He can push the ball down the field. He has the arm talent to at least, you know, put the ball outside the numbers that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have. The problem is you have a team that's very good, that has an elite running back, that has some talented receivers. And right now you've got like, the you, yeah, they have the most cap space in the NFL as of now entering the 2022 season. So you can take his cap hit and still put some other talent around him. And if you like a veteran under center to try to just get you to the playoffs, because listen, there's no quarterback that the Colts are in contention for that will put them over the top for a Super Bowl. The AFC quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, now Russell Wilson, there's just no way that any of the quarterbacks available are going to put you over the top because, like I said, they're not in the market for Watson. At best, you could try to shoot for the stars and get Kirk Cousins. Like that to the, that to the Colts would be shooting for the stars or Derek Carr. I don't see how that would make sense for either of those organizations just based on what Indianapolis would have to offer. They don't have a lot of draft capital. I don't know what players they'd be willing to trade away. They, they were one game away from making the playoffs. All they had to do was beat the worst team in the NFL, and Carson Wentz just couldn't do that. So, personally, I don't see 
the Colts being a realistic destination for any other quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo because Frank Reich had to personally apologize for vouching for Carson Wentz to come to Indianapolis. So you got to imagine that a guy like that is on the hot seat. You have to imagine that a guy like that is not going to take a chance on drafting a quarterback and going into free agency and getting someone like a Mitchell Trubisky or Marcus Mariota who has, you know, they've all shown us that they're not starting quarterbacks. They've been given the opportunity, and they've shown us that. Jordan Love even, and listen, I would trade for Jordan Love if I was a team looking for a quarterback, and the reason is simply this. It's just because if I'm choosing between him and Jimmy Garoppolo, there's nothing that Jimmy Garoppolo does that Jordan Love can't do. Jordan Love can make any throw that Jimmy Garoppolo can. He has a stronger arm than Garoppolo. He's far more mobile. If you actually just look at the tape, just go up, look up like the four-minute highlight reel of uh, Jordan Love's first start against Kansas City. I know he didn't look great, but if you just don't think of whether or not he's a good quarterback, think of in comparison to Jimmy Garoppolo, and you just know that if you're comparing the two, this guy's clearly better and more talented, and he has time to develop, and he's significantly cheaper. But in their situation, it's not necessarily about talent. They just need a veteran under center because Frank Reich is not going to risk jeopardizing any bit of security he has left for his job on someone who has shown us they're not a starting quarterback or someone who has played little to no football. And even if you were to draft a quarterback, there's no way anyone at 42 that's available is going to be good enough. This quarterback draft class is very, very weak compared to last year. You would have to trade multiple assets, which you don't have that much capital anymore because of the Wentz deal, to get up into the first round to pick a quarterback who many of these guys have to sit for a year. You're not going to do that. You need to get Garoppolo as a bridge and buy yourself time to find that future answer. Okay, and, and it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo just didn't want to go to Washington. He does have that no-trade clause until the 16th as well, so it seemed like that fell through. So Indianapolis, they're, they're desperate for a quarterback right now. Washington would have been a destination. I thought it was getting more and more possible, but clearly the Wentz deal made it apparent Jimmy G was not going to go there. And also, why would you make... A deal if you're the Colts why would you send away Carson Wentz who is more talented than Garoppolo why would you do that if you didn't have a plan in place already to replace him because their cap hit is very similar so it's not like you're going to say oh well Jimmy Garoppolo costs so much money why would they take him on they had Carson Wentz under contract for next season Washington's taking the entire cap hit it was going to be very similar and also Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have any money left guaranteed in his contract so you have to have a plan in place if you're going to make a move like that. They're desperate. So maybe they could go for Kirk Cousins. I just don't know what they would have to get him. That's obviously going to cost a lot more in terms of assets than it will for Jimmy G because everyone knows Jimmy G is going to be gone. So his value is already lower automatically. And John Middlecoff did say that there is a second round pick on the table for Jimmy G. Just don't know where from, but supposedly there is a second round pick on the table for him. I believe it and believe it for only the reason that that I think this delay is actually not on finding a trade partner or a deal in terms of assets and compensation for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's more just Don Yee, his agent, negotiating a contract extension for Jimmy because 
wherever you go to, you want to have that security of guaranteed money. And like I said, there's no guaranteed money left in his salary. So as, a, as an agent, you want to secure your future for your client. You want to get guaranteed money up. You want to have multiple years locked up. You don't want to have to go into free agency. You want to make sure you secure that now and also have a say in where you go at the same time. Personally, I believe there are multiple teams that want Jimmy Garoppolo. They have put their offers on the table. They have negotiated with John Lynch and the 49ers this whole time. They understand what the parameters on a deal would be, and they have come to agreements. And it is simply just up to Jimmy Garoppolo and Don Yee in deciding where they want to go and negotiating a contract from all these teams to see what their best offers are. And it's kind of like right now, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is essentially just a free agent. It's almost like he's a free agent. He's still in the Niners, but in terms of just trying to figure out a contract because of that no trade clause, he's going to get to choose where he goes so long as he makes a decision before the 16th, but he obviously will do that. So it's almost like he's a free agent figuring out which of these teams he's going to prefer to go to. So that's where I think that delay is coming from. And like I said, he should be gone before the 16th. I'd even argue before the 14th because that's when the legal tampering period starts. And this is a point I'll bring up and other people will bring up too. I've had a lot of discussions with people. It is really hard to pitch to skill player for agents like wide receivers. How are you going to pitch to them if you have a backup quality quarterback on the top of your depth chart when you're beginning negotiations? And the legal tampering period begins on Monday the 14th. So I would totally argue that it could be done Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. So we'll just have to see, you know, it would also definitely make sense for the Colts to get an extension done, like I said, because you want to have continuity at the quarterback position. Sorry if you hear some noise, I got to move my microphone, like I said, I'm holding it, but the Colts have been going through a quarterback carousel. I mean, they've had no continuity under center. I can't even name off the, off the top of my head like their last like seven quarterbacks, but it's been a lot. And you got to think that they just want a break from that. They just want a guy to to give them some time to find their true answer at that position because you got to know, like I said, they're not, on, they're not on the market for Watson, but a bridge, just a bridge to buy them some time. Garoppolo is the easy option because guess what? He's not going to be as expensive as going after Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. He's not going to be as expensive in terms of draft capital because you don't have a lot of that. If you were to send that 42nd pick that you got from Washington to San Francisco for Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a pick that you didn't have anyways. It's a pick you can't use on a quarterback anyways. And guess what? The biggest hole in your team right now, if you're the Colts, is the quarterback position because you just traded away your starter. So you're going to use that pick for the most important hole that you have on your team. And it doesn't have to be through the draft. It can be just trading for your starting quarterback who's going to hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor throw some slant routes, throw over the middle of the field, and you just hope he can get you to the playoffs because you never know what can happen any given Sunday. And that's simply the mindset I think the 49ers had in the back end of this season was, listen, we aren't a great team this year, and people like to act like they're dominant, not really until the end of the year because they were injured. But if you really look at it, if Jameis Winston doesn't tear his ACL, the 49ers probably don't make the playoffs because they, if they didn't win that game in L.A., the Saints are in, not them. So if Jameis Winston is having the best year ever, for his career if his knee doesn't go down then who says the Niners even make it so if you're the Colts it's just that same mindset the Niners had and, and listen it almost got them to a Super Bowl 
just get to the wild card. You never know what can happen. So personally, I think that's where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up is the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of like what day, but the 16th is kind of like an unofficial deadline because that no trade clause expires. All teams have to be under the salary cap. And listen, I keep seeing people talk about they can cut Jimmy Garoppolo. I just want to make this very clear. They cannot just cut Jimmy Garoppolo. They can't do that. Listen, okay, they can cut him. Here's the problem with cutting him. I see multiple people the last, like, 48 hours, and, and I'm not trying to, like, throw, like, shade on anyone saying this. I know, like, this cap stuff is really confusing, and, and his contract has some really confusing verbiage in it as well. Like, I'm still trying to fully understand it, if I'm being totally honest with you. But a lot of people are saying, if you cut Jimmy Garoppolo, you'll only pay $1.4 in dead cap space. That is not true. If you're hearing that, it's not true. They will have to pay more. They will have to pay more because the $1.4 million in dead cap is coming from a prorated signing bonus in his contract. So yes, that's correct. If they cut him, they do owe him that $1.4 million. The problem is when you look up on these websites like Over the Cap, which is a great resource to see how much teams could save if they trade or if they cut a guy or if they restructure or extend. It's a great source. And when you go there, if you put under Jimmy Garoppolo that if they cut him before June 1st, it says 1.4. What that's not taking into account is Jimmy Garoppolo's $7.5 million injury guarantee where if he is cut at a time where he's injured, and I believe that this is how it works because there's a, whole, a thing about a physical, I believe it works as in if he's cut or released at a time where he can't pass a physical because of injury, the 49ers owe him $7.5 million in an injury guarantee on top of the $1.4 million signing bonus that's prorated. Therefore, if you release Jimmy Garoppolo right now because he just had that shoulder surgery and is recovering, he would not be able to pass a physical, so you would owe him $8.9 million in dead cap. That would be going against your cap space if you're San Francisco. You'd have $8.9 million in dead cap for Jimmy Garoppolo to just go play for another team this season. And yes, it does come off the books, but from what I've been told, that $7.5 million comes off the books if he earns the same amount of $7.5 million or more with another team. I don't, like, that verbiage is really important. Not sign, earn. And I think the reason that is is because what that same person told me was that the money would come back to them in 2023. And I think that's because he has to actually earn $7.5 million in salary or however. However, he just has to earn $7.5 million for the Niners to get that money back next year because that's part of the guarantee, right? If you're released and you're injured and you can't pass a physical, the contract is guaranteeing Jimmy Garoppolo he will make $7.5 million. So you can't just get the money back if next year, for whatever reason, let's say he kept his same deal, right? Um, it's the same contract, or, or sorry, if he, if he was released. Let's say he signed another contract that was very, very low in guarantees. Maybe it was heavily incentive-based for whatever reason, right? We, it wouldn't happen. But let's say for whatever reason it did, and he didn't end up making $7.5 million in 2023. 
how would he get that money in his guarantee? So it is against the Niners until he earns $7.5 million from another team. They will get it back. So you can't just outright cut Jimmy Garoppolo. And listen, both sides need to get a deal done. You understand? Jimmy Garoppolo wants to pick his location. Why would you take away your position of choice? Let's say, for whatever reason, the 49ers figured out a way to get under the cap by the 16th and still have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, which would be blasphemous. I think they would cut him if it came to that. But let's say they just did that, just just be, for the sake of this fucking scenario. It's not going to happen. It's ridiculous, and people think it's going to happen. I, I, it, It's just ridiculous. But let's say he's on the roster on the 16th. New league year starts. They restructured some guys. They're under the cap. So um, they still have Jimmy Garoppolo's $27 million base salary, whatever it is. They could trade him at that point to anywhere they want. They they don't have to wait for Jimmy Garoppolo and Don Yee to figure out an extension. They don't have to get his okay of whether or not he'd play there or not. They can just say, pack your bags. You're going to Pittsburgh or wherever the hell that they want to send him to. Whatever the best offer is that they're getting for him, like, it doesn't matter. They have other priorities. Even after re-signing guys like Contavious Street, Maurice Hurst, and Jamichael Hasty, and uh, Jawan Jennings, they still have over 20 other free agents that they need to address. And I'm not saying they're going to bring them all back, but that means a lot of holes need to be filled, and they can't sit and wait for you to pick a spot. They will move you, and you will have no choice, or they will cut you. So if Jimmy Garoppolo wants to say, he will waive the no-trade clause for somewhere within the next few days. So a deal will get done. Now, if we're looking at the free agents that the Niners have, there's still a question at strong safety. I don't know what they're going to do about that. I don't know what they're going to do about nickel corner or if they're going to add J.C. Jackson. Listen, there's a lot of free agents that I would love the 49ers to go out and get. I mean, I love the idea of a Chandler Jones. And that's honestly who I would target. I I would target that. And and that sounds like, holy shit, like you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And and I understand that. I'm fully, fully aware. Okay. But you know what? I would call him out on his shit because he did say that he didn't care about the money this year. And he's got the contracts. He's got his Super Bowl. And he just wants to be in a place that will maximize his talent. Right, And, you know, I like the idea of J.C. Jackson. However, the reason I don't really entertain that that much is because I feel like, okay, you could, let's say they went out to get J.C. Jackson. I'm going to bring this point up before I go back to Chandler Jones. If they went after J.C. Jackson, he'd be making top dollar for all corners in the NFL. And, listen, you could say, like, okay, the contract's going to look very expensive, though, because it would have to be a long-term deal. The guy's entering the prime of his career, you got to think. Now, here's the thing. When you do this contract now with the salary cap steadily increasing the next few years, and it's going to take another big jump in the next few years, the contract's not going to look that bad. Remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was paid and he was the highest paid quarterback of all time, and that was on this salary? Yeah, well, now you got guys like, you know, routinely making over $30 million, $40 million, even up to the $50 million range. So, kind of the same thing they would be able to set that market at the corner position so they'd have the opportunity to get in front of it which is also why you want to make sure you get those Debo and Bosa signings done as soon as possible so you can be the ones to set the market but for being real they just don't spend big on corners they just don't 
the the only time in recent history, the most recent big name free agent they signed that cost a pretty good amount of money was Richard Sherman. The difference is that with Richard Sherman, he was coming off an Achilles tear and Seattle had released him and he didn't have an agent representing him. So yeah, they, they got Richard Sherman on a deal that included a lot of incentives. But they just don't go after the best corner available in the prime of his career that's completely healthy. They just don't do that. Um, you know, they've been linked to like Charvarius Ward and there's buzz about bringing DJ Reed back as well, which I'd love, by the way, especially if he played the corner position, uh, sorry, the nickel corner position. I would love that. I would absolutely love DJ Reed to come back. He was one of the best corners this year in 2021. He is familiar with the system that they run in San Francisco on defense. I would love him here. He would fit perfectly. But personally, I would cash out on Chandler Jones. He would have to be the top target for me. I understand that he's going to be expensive, but if you put Chandler Jones on the other side of Nick Bosa, it's perfectly in line with the original plan that they did have with D Ford. This is exactly how they wanted to win. This was this was the formula that they showed us in 2019 that they were going for. I mean, they traded a second-round pick for D Ford and threw $90 million on the table because this was the plan. Nick Bosa was double-teamed at the highest rate of anyone in the NFL this season. Imagine, because you saw how great that pass rush got toward the end of the year once they moved Armstead inside and you saw how they were doing in the playoffs, the pressure they put on Dak Prescott. They were getting back to Aaron Rodgers. You look at that pass rush and just imagine that front with Chandler Jones and Nick Bosa collapsing both sides, the left and the right edge, with Kinlaw, who I expect to have a pretty good season, and Eric Armstead in the middle. And remember, the biggest adjustment for them was moving Eric Armstead inside. So you're going to have that for a whole season. With Kinlaw, who was a first-round talent, and you have Jones and Bosa, that's like really close to rebuilding exactly what you were going for in 2019. The problem was D. Ford was never on the field. If Chandler Jones is out there with Nick Bosa and those two guys, that is the front seven from hell. I mean, that is a front seven of death. To the point where even if your secondary is a little bit depleted or it's kind of a weak link, that's going to take a lot of pressure off those corners. It's going to take a lot of pressure off those safeties when the quarterbacks are under that much duress for the course of a season. I could see them also looking into Bobby Wagner, and there has been there have been reports that basically everyone else in the NFC West is interested in him, but that would have to be on a bargain because they do have linebackers. I did release a tweet earlier this week, and it got a lot of buzz. And people blew it way out of proportion. I wasn't saying that Bobby Wagner is the top target. I was saying that if they're interested in him, there is a way to get him. And if you're not going to go after any of these other top tier free agents and Bobby Wagner, you feel, would upgrade your team, there's no reason to sit and just be comfortable with just signing a bunch of random guys that are not going to make much of an impact. Because personally, and I know people say, oh, well, he's not great in coverage. I totally, I totally get that. But he's great in run defense. And if you really want, you can have Fred Warner take the coverage responsibilities at the linebacker position and use Bobby Wagner as specifically a run defender. Like, there's ways you can work around that. And if you have a pass rush with Bosa and Armstead and Kinlaw and the other depth on the other edge, you, you can give him more support. He didn't have support in Seattle. 
on that front seven. Like, he, he was that front seven. Unless when they decided to throw Jamal Adams out there, like, basically as a linebacker, whatever you want to say about Jamal Adams. But that would have to be on a bargain either way because he has lost a step. Okay, and, and the biggest problem is that Chandler Jones, even on a cheaper end, is probably going to demand, you know, in that $17 million range at least. And that'd be tough to swing for the 49ers, obviously. The biggest key for them, regardless of what they do in free agency, they just have to hit on their draft picks. They have to hit on their draft picks, which is why if they could get that 42nd pick from the Colts that, that they got from Washington in the once trade, they'd be in great shape if they were able to pull off keeping 61 and they, they'd have the chance to pick at 42 and 61. And you could say, okay, well, they could trade up. Yeah, well, I wouldn't use those picks. I would try to trade up with picks from the later rounds to get up, like maybe the third round picks that you have, because they don't necessarily need to draft in round one to hit on picks anyways. I mean, if you look at their history, Debo Samuel, Fred Warner, George Kittle, um, DJ Jones and Elijah Mitchell, they even get some undrafted free agents that turn out to be studs. Like They're by no means a team that doesn't hit on draft picks in the middle rounds. The middle rounds is where I'd say they find more success than the first rounds. I mean, their first round picks under Shanahan and John Lynch were Solomon Thomas. That was a horrible pick. Reuben Foster should have been great, but put himself in bad situations and was pretty surprisingly injury prone when he got to the league. Um, the only like no brainer first rounder that they first round pick they had was Nick Bosa. So I don't give him too much credit for that. I mean, that was a no brainer. Um, Kinlaw, the verdict is still out. I believe in him. And then Brandon Ayuk was a good pick, but this is not like a team where Debo wasn't a first rounder. George Kittle wasn't a first rounder. Fred Warner wasn't a first rounder. If you just have 42 and 61 and you're able to get, you know, a corner or an edge, or if you're able to just get both with those positions and then, possibly have Lindstrom fall down to you in the third round or whatever it is that's a huge win for the 49ers now at some point you do need to find a contingency at right tackle because now that you're going to play the AFC West I mean that game Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa coming off both edges you're going to need to solidify that right side of the line but it's going to come down to the draft and and hitting on their picks because I don't expect them to spend big personally I would go out and get Chandler Jones like just go all in like fuck playing on scared money and so many 49er fans are so satisfied with playing on scared money and I call bullshit on that because when you're not always constantly trying to get better you're automatically getting worse and I'm not saying that the 49ers are conservative they're by no means conservative they're very aggressive I mean Trent Williams was a move they signed Kwan Alexander in free agency they went out and got D Ford they trade all these picks to get Trey Lance. They were trying to get Deshaun Watson and Matt Stafford. They are aggressive. The difference is that when they make a big move, they don't continue to look for those big splashes that can continue to put you over the top. Like the LA Rams, for example, they put that whole team together, but also in the middle of the season, when they were a good team, they added Von Miller. And then after that, Odell Beckham became available and they got him just because they could. Like that kind of mentality is something that the Niners lack just a little bit. And every year, I hear people say, yeah, well, doing stuff like that is just not sustainable. Not sustainable My, like, I, I don't care about that as much as some people think. And that might sound ridiculous, but the only thing I see that's sustainable at the, about the 49ers with this philosophy that they have with this mentality is you're sustainable in losing. You, you get to so close. Like, you, be, you, you just hang your hat on getting oh so close to a Super Bowl. You're just going to wear that on your cap that 
you lost an NFC title game and you made it to a Super Bowl and you lost that a couple years ago. Like, no, there's always a team every year. The problem is not that they don't make moves. The problem is that there's always a team every year that was willing to make one more move than San Francisco that put the other team over the top. And the fans realize that. But at the same time, I see a lot of people say, like, just play it safe. Just be patient. Just wait. They have a plan. They've had plans. And it hasn't worked. I'm not going to say, like, it completely failed. But it hasn't worked. It didn't execute the way that it was supposed to. So I would go out and get Chandler Jones to give myself the best possible chance to win this year. Because I look at the free agents they do have, and a lot of them, to me, this is a compliment to the Niners. I believe they could spend money on a Chandler Jones because I believe in their ability to develop people on that defensive line or the linebacker position, anywhere on that defense. I expect them to be able to develop. Ambry Thomas looked very good in the back end of the season when he got his opportunity. Dre Greenlaw came out of nowhere. was pretty good. Aziz Alshair shined this year in the absence of Greenlaw, and he was pretty good. I expect them to give him a multi-year extension as well. I just expect them to develop these guys. So, to me, you can go get a big name like Chandler Jones to just make you an absolute cheat code on the front line. And and you can draft. Like, you have a good amount of picks, too. Like, go draft some secondary players. And, and I'm all for bringing back Jason Verrett on, on a very, like, minimum, sorry, minimum, veteran minimum contract. Because even though he's been really injury-prone, I know people are really against this, I'm not saying he's a starter, but he provides depth. And if you look at what you had to deal with with Josh Norman this year, let's say you have Jason Verrett on the roster, and he's just there to compete. And Ambry and Emmanuel Mosley win the job. If one of them goes down, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable with Jason Verrett on the field. And you're not asking him to get you like 17 starts at that point. But maybe if someone hurts an ankle, maybe you're hoping that he can get you three or four. That's the difference. And let's say he did... They did resign him, and he came in, and he won the job. That's a very good problem to have. If you have a guy like that that's will that's on the brink of taking someone else's job, that, that's, that means you have good depth. That's a good problem to have. And I was talking about this on a space earlier uh, yesterday because depth was a problem in the secondary, not so much the defensive line. But Josh Norman and Trey Kirkpatrick and um, Lenore didn't look so great at times. That was a big hole. Like one guy goes down and all of a sudden it's the biggest weak link for the 49ers. So if you can bring back Red on a veteran minimum, why not? And just go cash out to make your pass rush a cheat code. That to me would be the approach for the 49ers. Um, the question I think many 49er fans have at the moment is what their plan is to create cap space aside from the Garoppolo trade because restructures, extensions, you know, without those moves, there just isn't any room for them to make moves of any significance that will result in an upgrade. You know, other teams like New Orleans, they've been getting restructures done with their star players like Alvin Kamara, um, Michael Thomas, and they've just been trying to create cap space. Now, I know those teams like the Saints are in bigger cap hell than the Niners, but still, you know, the Niners, the differences between teams like the Saints and the Niners, the Niners have signed Nate Sudfield and some cheap free agents to the team. So you got to think that they want to get aggressive, right, in a wide-open NFC. So I'm curious if the restructures are happening and they just haven't announced it yet. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me because the Niners really like to, you know, keep their fo keep their poker face as much as they can, so it's possible they have. But, I mean, when you can clearly see 
people covering the Niners or even fans literally knowing pretty easily that if you, that you can restructure Eric Armstead to save nine you know, close to $10 million in cap space this season, that you can extend Jimmy Ward to save a little over $6 million in cap space this season. When, when almost anyone can figure that out, you wonder why they haven't done anything or if they've come up with a better plan and they just don't want people to know about it. I don't know what it is. But that's got to be a question is, are they creating cap space right now that we don't know about? Because even if you just trade Jimmy G, right now they're projected to be about $10 million over the cap after these uh, signings that they made. So if you clear $25 million off your books, you're really only looking at like 15 million in cap space and then you have to pay your rookies that you end up drafting so something is definitely going to happen we just don't know what is going to happen I mean we know what could but we don't know what is definitively going to happen with this San Francisco team and contracts so we're just gonna have to see maybe they'll surprise us and do even more than we thought maybe Parag actually no I was gonna say maybe Parag Marate is a genius but no I don't want to give him too much credit but it's definitely a question nonetheless that that to me is weird it's weird it's weird like i okay i get the garoppolo thing but why have you not done anything yet to create cap space when i see all these other teams doing it i mean the packers obviously have to do that too like if you're san francisco you were this close to a title to me if i can see eric armstead and ward and even samson ebukam that you can um, extend and save about four million this season. Where where is this all? Where's this money going to come from for you to even have a chance to retain some of these key free agents? Like first of all, you can forget Lakin and you can forget DJ Jones, but all the other guys that might be a little cheaper, how are you even going to manage that if you're not making any moves right now to clear up that cap space? That that to me is a huge question mark. And I know they have a plan. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm smarter than John Lynch. I know they have a plan. I'm just dying to know what it is because it's weird. It's weird going into this offseason like that. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit coming out about the Niners right now. There was a video of Trent Williams on on a uh, like an interview or a show, I guess, that Chad Johnson does with like Brandon Marshall and shit. And I don't really fucking read too much into this shit, but I don't know if any of you saw it, but basically Chad Johnson was trying to recruit Trent Williams to the Bengals and Trent Williams is on the show like he's sitting on the couch right there and he was basically saying a birdie told me that he wants to transition to a contender next year looking at Trent Williams and then first of all he's on the Niners but also does that mean you know you kind of want out like what what's going on like he just signed this big extension I don't read much into it but the thing that got people kind of nervous is Trent Williams didn't really say anything to defend himself he just said I'm under contract. That's all he said. And he kind of had a smile on his face. He didn't deny it. Personally, I think it must have something to do with tampering that he's trying to avoid. But there's just a lot of weird things going on with the Niners this offseason. Um, a lot of people hating on Trey Lance and trying to say he's not ready or he's not a lock. And it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, the people that... Like, I've never seen a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo get more love for being so mediocre. I, I've never seen it in my life. Like, this is reaching Tim Tebow territory. It's reaching Tim Tebow territory where every time this guy's in the headlines or has a shot in the NFL, people fucking love it. Like, they eat that shit up. And Jimmy Garoppolo, who is so mediocre, putting his team in position to not be successful in the playoffs, and people are trying to act like, oh, it's not his fault. You know, Kyle Shanahan did this. Or... 
the defense couldn't get off their down. To hell with that. And I know I'm going a bit off a tangent, but no, I'm going to get this shit off my chest. Jimmy Garoppolo threw more fucking interceptions in the playoffs than touchdowns. That's detrimental to your team. I don't give a fuck what anyone tries to tell me. If you try to tell me otherwise, I'm really curious and I want to have a conversation with you. And I'm really curious to know the reasoning behind how throwing more interceptions than touchdowns in the playoffs is good for your team and not detrimental. Kyle Shanahan, what people need to realize, dragged this quarterback to the NFC title game this year. 2019, I'm not going to give him as much criticism because he was serviceable in 2019. But this year, specifically, you could clearly tell that Kyle Shanahan just has to call plays a certain way because he knows his quarterback is limited. Or limited. He can't, you know, call plays for him that you can call up for, you know, Justin Herbert or Russell Wilson. Like, this is a dude that doesn't have that ability. He can't throw the ball outside the numbers. He can't drive the ball down the field. I mean, for those of you Niner fans, I'm, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about here, but every Sunday... You had a moment, maybe multiple times in a single game, your heart nearly stopped because Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball over the middle of the field, beyond the markers, and you couldn't see where it was going to end up because the camera wasn't showing you what was on that side of the field, (laughs) and you were just, you were just worried, holy shit, where is this ball going to go, and and you're just you're hoping just don't get intercepted so like it just hits the ground because he overthrows someone by 10 yards you're like oh thank god like that's not a quarterback that's putting you in a position to win when you start feeling that you understand so i just can't wait for jimmy garoppolo to be gone i i got to be honest i really can't wait i mean this whole leadership i i've been trolling about this shit for for a lot this week you know for 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 a while because it's just really fucking hilarious like I, I even I, I even jump into like some spaces and and just try to feed people into it and people find it really really enjoyable. I mean, what Jimmy Garoppolo is such a great leader that yeah, the only reason he's leaving is probably because he just wants his boys to get paid. Such a great leader. W- what is his leadership quality? Okay, I get it. People like him, but do you notice that when? People talk about Jimmy Garoppolo in the locker room. They talk about he's a great guy, he's a great teammate, he's a leader, he's the calm in the storm. And when teammates talk about Trey Lance recently, they're talking about, oh, he's going to be a superstar. Arden Key saying he's going to be a fucking dog in this league. They're talking about his skill. (laughs) You don't ever hear anyone talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's skill. It doesn't happen. I, I can't hear anything about his skill. It's just hilarious to me. And you know what? It's really fitting, by the way, and people have found this clever when I brought it up. Isn't it really fitting that the one thing you worry about Jimmy Garoppolo getting you is picks? However, on the flip side, you're hoping Jimmy Garoppolo gets you a pick in the offseason. It's really weird. He's just destined to get you picks, I guess. But it's it's just, it, it's really weird. It's really weird the love that he gets. But anyways... I can go on about that for an hour or two hours straight. I don't want this to turn into that. I know you're you're probably listening to this. You got some shit to do today. Like <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. But 
anyways, it is going to be an interesting few days and, and expect a Jimmy Garoppolo trade definitely before the 16th. I would argue even on that Monday the 14th so that teams can negotiate like the Colts saying Jimmy Garoppolo is our quarterback, not Ellinger. So let, let's go ahead and and move on from that and, and we'll talk more about it. And fuck, I wish I wasn't going to like, OK, I'm going to enjoy my trip to New York but I really wish it wasn't going to be this week because I literally fly there on the fucking 16th. Now, it's going to be the night of the 16th, but it means I'm going to be gone, and I won't be able to do an episode this weekend to recap the first few days of free agency. So I guess we'll get a bigger recap episode when more signings happen the week after, but damn, I, I just wish that the timing was different. But it's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be celebrating with drinks in Manhattan that Jimmy Garoppolo is off this roster, and we can finally move on to the chapter of Trey Lance. And I'll enjoy myself. But let's move on to the Warriors. And I've been really tough on the Warriors on this podcast ever since I opened it. And and I swear, it's just the timing. Like, when I opened this podcast, they were struggling, okay? I was really high on them all year. But then when they started struggling, that's like when the, I decided to start a podcast. It's not like I'm a Warriors hater, so don't, don't hit me with that. But right now, they're finding some rhythm. And I have to say, I was watching that game last night against Milwaukee. And I just sat there, and, and the word that I came up with in my mind was like, this is inspiring. It was inspiring to see them do what they did to Milwaukee. I, I regained my faith last night in their chances at a title after seeing Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and others like Kuminga just stepping up in the game against the defending champions. Like, that's what matters. And Jordan Poole with back-to-back -back big shots in Denver as well. You know, things are looking good. Because these are the guys that need to step up in the playoffs. They're the role players. I expect Steph to show up. I'm not worried about Klay Thompson shooting woes. I don't even care that he was struggling the last few games. Klay's going to be Klay. I mean, everyone was going into this game thinking about, oh, man, can Klay get back to form? And then he lit up 38 points on the defending champions. Of course, that shot, that shot never goes away when you're that pure of a shooter. And they did what they did last night still without Draymond Green. That, to me, was exceptional. If the role players and Clay are able to beat teams like the Bucks without Draymond on the floor, there's not a whole lot that'll be able to stop them. Because Steph Curry didn't play a great game either. He didn't even really take a lot of shots, and he had some bad turnovers. And they still did what they did to Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. That, to me, is very inspiring. And I truly feel like that Denver game, when, when Jordan Poole hit, hit those back-to-back -back shots and he was screaming, that, to me, solidified his spot as a closer. It solidified his spot as a closer for the Warriors. And I want him on the floor no matter what during every crunch time situation in the playoffs. All the time. Because he's just he's just such a talented scorer. I mean, whether it's scoring from the perimeter, off the bounce, off the catch, or getting to the basket. He's an acrobatic finisher at the rim. He's more athletic than he might look. Like, he can get up there and throw it down on somebody if he really wanted to. And you need that type of guy who's not only capable of making difficult shots, but is also going to have the confidence to attempt difficult shots in high-pressure moments. And this whole season, he just put the world on notice to who this guy is. He, he put the world on notice. I, I expected a Jordan Poole leap. I didn't expect it to be to this extent. I got to be quite honest with you. And I never expected from the beginning when Jordan Poole was first drafted, I never expected him to reach this level. I thought he was going to bust out after two seasons, if I'm being totally honest. And he's arrived. And he deserves the payday that he's about to get this summer. I mean, there was a rumor saying that he could get $80 million in four years in an extension with the Warriors. And listen, regardless if 
whatever team he signs with this summer, regardless if it's going to be with the Warriors or if he ends up going somewhere long-term with another team, whatever payday he gets, it is well-deserved because clearly this is just the very beginning of Jordan Poole, and he has a lot more potential and a lot more to add into his toolbox. I, I can just tell just looking at him. I mean, he's fuming with potential, and I think he's a star in this league already. He just is on a team that's obviously going to overshadow um, you know, the other talent's going to overshadow him. If he was a starter somewhere else, this dude would be putting up like C.J. McCollum numbers, in my opinion, like right now. So he's arrived. He's arrived. And if you put Curry and Clay and Poole, Wiggins, and Draymond on the floor, that to me is a lineup I can be confident in to close games in the playoffs. Because I don't give a damn if you're small in that situation. Those are the five best players that will give you a chance to win. I don't want to see out of Porter, Damian Lee, or Juan Toscano-Anderson, enough of that. And I love those guys. I love their contributions to the team. They all bring something positive in their own way. Otto Porter is pretty good at getting defensive rebounds, and um, he's been a good shooter from the perimeter this year. Damian Lee has had his moments, too, when he's in rhythm where he's pretty good at scoring. Juan Toscano-Anderson provides some playmaking ability when Draymond's out and does bring his own bit of energy and grit to the game. He brings a lot of effort. You know, I love that stuff, but with a game on the line, just play your best five. And that's why I love that they started Jordan Poole against Milwaukee as well. Instead of rolling out like Moses Moody, who I like, and I think he's going to be good. But instead of rolling him out or rolling out like uh, Otto Porter in that situation, I love that they just – Steve Kerr didn't mess around. He said, I'm putting Jordan Poole out there. You know, roll with the best guys you have. Don't be cute with it. Just allow your talent to win games, man. That's all you got to do. Just allow your talent to win you games. And Jordan Poole is one of the most talented players on this team. It's possible that they, if they keep playing like this too, they could take that second seed back. I mean, that, that's how much I was inspired by watching that game last I mean, last week I was talking about how I think the second seed is out the door. I don't think that's the case anymore, the way that they're playing. You know, because Memphis, to me, just hasn't taken full advantage of this dry spell that the Warriors just crawled themselves out of. So it's going to be really close. I, I thought Memphis was just going to run away with it, considering their strength of schedule was a lot easier. But they haven't taken full advantage of it. They haven't. They've, they've lost some games. And it's been very close. And I think the Warriors, the way they're playing, and they're going to get Draymond Green back on Monday, I think they can take it back. I really, really do. And it's going to be really close. Phoenix, they're running away with the first seed. But the second seed is going to be very, very close. Um, and it's also going to be really crucial, Draymond coming back, just getting them into rhythm as a unit. You know, remember, this is a team who... And fear noise again. I'm just switching hands on my microphone. But this is a team who has not played, they have not played their regular starting lineup, their actual starting lineup the whole season. So with getting him back, you're going to be able to use this time to get in rhythm as quick as possible before playoff time comes around. And, and the thing is, the helpful part is Clay Thompson has played with Draymond for years. Steph Curry has played with those two for years. Draymond knows how to play with Clay um, in return. So that stuff should speed up the process. It's not like this is a new asset that you added to the team that you need to get acclimated to the offense and getting the right amount of touches it's going to be a small learning curve but just the rhythm with that style of play for everyone else is going to matter like Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole because I'm assuming that that's going to be the closing five I just mentioned like that lineup needs some minutes like that they need to throw that lineup out there 
quite a bit in my opinion so that they can get experience playing together because I think that is going to be your best bet closing playoff games. So this is going to be really crucial to see over the next few weeks how they can gain rhythm together as a unit with Draymond back. And, and I'm also just curious to see how he looks. Right, is he going to pick up right where he left off as the runaway defensive player that we saw? Or are we going to see a guy who looks clearly compromised? Like if Because if he's not 100%, I'm worried. But if he goes out there and looks like he hadn't missed a beat, I, I, think, they're, I think they're good. I think they're, in good. I think they're in good shape. That's a team where Phoenix, you're not going to want to face them. Because, I, listen, I, I was there on Christmas Day. I was there on Christmas Day. I, I saw that shit. I, I saw that shit. I, I saw Steph Curry go out there, drop a 30 bomb. I saw the Warriors without Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. And I think Damian Lee didn't play that game. No James Wiseman, obviously. Obviously no Klay Thompson. And, and I still saw them win that game on the road in Phoenix. And some people were like, oh, well, you know, it's a it's a weird start time. The game's weird. It's Christmas Day. Yeah, well, guess what? The playoffs are kind of fucking weird, too. It's not like a regular season game. So that's not a team, if you're Phoenix, that you want to see. Now, I do think I do think Phoenix is still the favorite. I don't think it would be fair to call the Warriors the favorite again. I think that's right. Pump the brakes. But I'm definitely not going to say that. I'm definitely not going to say that the Suns are going to run away into the finals. I still think that the 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 way it's seated right now, the top three teams, the Suns, the the Grizzlies, and the Warriors, like those are the top teams to get out of the West, obviously. But now I think the difference is I don't see Memphis actually beating Golden State in a seven game series because listen, as much as I love John Morant and I love those you know that that Memphis Grizzly team, like they're just full of grit. When you get to the playoffs. This is not a win and, you know, get in, like, play in tournament situation where you got, you know, two games to play Golden State. This is a best of seven. You got to beat Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole. You got to beat them four times in a span of seven games. That's really difficult to beat them four times in a span of seven games. It's really difficult. John Morant's great. He's nowhere to the level of LeBron James when LeBron was in Cleveland. LeBron had trouble trying to beat him four times. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I'm not even talking about the team with Durant. I'm talking about 2015. And I know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love are out, but still. It was really troublesome. Beating this team four times in the span of seven games, like th th this losing spell or dry spell that they just had was something that we haven't really seen them have under the Steve Kerr era when their guys are healthy. Like, as long as Steph Curry's playing, that's not what we've seen in the Steve Kerr era. It's just been a complete anomaly. It's been really weird. It's been a very strange season. You're not going to get the type of Warrior team when you get to the playoffs. They're a different animal. This is a team with championship experience. Listen, Similar to why I said Jimmy Garoppolo should end up in Indianapolis. You look at the people available, you're not going to roll out guys who've never been in those moments. Jimmy Garoppolo, as limited as he is, and as much crap as I'll give him as a quarterback and as a really shit thrower of the football, unless it's three yards past the line of scrimmage. I don't want to go any further. I'll go all day if I do that. But when you've been to those moments, 
when you've experienced a finals or a conference finals or a fucking Super Bowl and NFC title game, even if you only threw the ball eight times, being there matters. Experiencing those moments matter because you know what it's like to prepare for those situations. Going into a conference finals, you know what to expect. Going into the finals, you know what to expect in terms of media attention and the difference in the atmosphere and the way the games are called differently. You understand it more than teams who haven't been there because all these teams, like Memphis especially, they're a young team, they're hungry. They've got a lot of energy. But what they're not going to understand as well, the war as, as well as the Warriors are, is the difference in the type of game that's played in April and May, as opposed to, you know, the winter time. It's a different type of game. You play it like listen. You may be playing a lot harder than everyone else, but listen, these other teams like Golden State, they're full of veterans that are kind of bored of winning. So when you're giving your A-plus effort, it's admirable every night. But I promise you, you're catching the Warriors. A lot of these teams are catching the Warriors on nights where they're only bringing their B-plus game. Because to be quite honest, sometimes the grind is just tiring and you get a little bored of the winning. This is why Steve Kerr a few years ago had them take the clipboard and coach a game. Because he wanted them to get engaged. Like sometimes it happens. And I guarantee you, Memphis... Like th- this is one of those teams that they don't ever give you a B plus effort. They always give you everything they have, but other teams are going to match that when you get to April. Golden State is going to match that when you get to April. You're not going to get Steph Curry or Draymond Green or Clay or anybody that has been on this team. You're not going to get any of them taking a night off. You're going to get their best games of the season, their best efforts of the season. And that is going to be different. That's why you're going to see a difference in Golden State, for instance, what I'm trying to say. You're going to see a difference in their play. It's going to go up because their effort is going to go up. Memphis, I don't see it going up at all because they've just been at that consistent. They're bringing everything they got every night. So when another team starts to get up to that level and they just have more talent than you in terms of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole and Draymond Green and you can or Andrew Wiggins somewhere in that mix, and they have the experience, it's going to be a reality check more likely than not. That's all I'm saying. I like Memphis. I don't like them as much as the Suns even because the Suns just made it to the finals. Say whatever the hell you want about the Lakers being injured and all that. They still fucking made it. They still had to beat whoever was in front of them. They did that. They got the job done that they had to do until the end. They have more of an understanding than a team like Memphis. So the only two teams really in contention with that understanding is Golden State and Phoenix. And it's going to be really interesting. I do expect that to still I, I expect that to still be the conference finals. And it's going to be really fucking fun to watch. And, and, and I think the biggest key there is going to be health because, you know, Draymond Green, how does he look? How does Steph Curry and Clay? how do they stay healthy throughout the playoffs? Remember, I don't want to jinx anything, but 2016, remember Steph Curry got banged up quite a bit. Um, can he maintain health? I think he will. But, you know, a guy who always seems to get hurt in the playoffs is Chris Paul for whatever reason. Like, that dude's just cursed. Every time he gets to the playoffs, just gets injured. I don't know what it is. I mean, even now, like right before the playoffs, he's got a, he's got a finger injury or a thumb injury. 
It's just like a curse with Chris Paul. I don't know what it is. But it's going to be something to watch. And Andrew Wiggins was struggling a lot ever since the All-Star break. Really, ever since Draymond left. But he had a very encouraging performance against Milwaukee again. So if he's back too, the rest of the league is in trouble. Because we are about to see the Warriors at full strength for the first time this week. Assuming Draymond Green does officially play uh, Monday the 14th. We are about to see them at full strength for the very first time. And it's not going to be perfect as soon as they step out there. But like a week or two weeks later... That's going to be the Warriors team. We haven't even seen them at their full potential yet, and they're the third seed in the Western Conference, and that to me is positive. It wasn't looking good for a while. It looked like it was a downward spiral, and this season just completely turned on them. But now they flip the odds back in their favor. And that is all attested to their championship pedigree from Steph Curry, from Klay Thompson, even Draymond Green's presence in the locker room, Kevon Looney and Steve Kerr and the rest of the staff and the front office, it translates into these moments because you see other players step up because they know they have to live up to the call. They have to answer the call. Jordan Poole has done that, and I think he's ready for the moment. So we're just going to have to find out. We're just going to have to wait and see, but... That's going to wrap up today's episode, everybody. So thank you for tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, drop a like. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to our channel as well. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, really appreciate you. Make sure you follow so that way you'll know when um, other episodes drop. I will most likely not be able to do one, like I said, this next week because I am going to be in New York City. I'm just not going to bring all this fucking equipment over there. It's not going to happen. And I'm also going to be out in the city. And I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be celebrating that Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit lit over there. So I'm just not going to be doing a lot of stuff this next week. But the week after that, I would anticipate that I'm going to come back with something big. Because obviously our free agent moves are going to happen. And uh, we're going to have to get into all of it. So thank you for tuning in today. I will be back in a few weeks. And... Remember, follow, turn on the notifications, and I'll talk to you all again soon.